Welcome to the On Air podcast. I'm Alex Macheris. And I'm Dan, known as Nonstop Dan on YouTube and all over social media. Dan and I have come together to bring you this podcast, which was, well, it's been a long time in the making, right? It has, yes. Several years, if I remember correctly. So even back then, we felt like everyone had a podcast. Now, definitely everyone has a podcast, but better late than never. Right. And we're here basically to bring you what will be a weekly podcast to let you dive into our world, the world of air travel and all things aviation. You know, we're going to be discussing what's trending, what's in the news, sharing our stories. And of course, hearing from you guys, our listeners, many of you, we hope will already be familiar with our work, but also probably follow us across different platforms, social yeah. media, and of course, with Dan on YouTube being the YouTube extraordinaire <laughs> that he is. But just in just in case people are not familiar with either myself or, or, or you, Dan, perhaps some brief intros to get us going. Yeah, let's do it. Well, I again, I'm Dan. I have been posting YouTube videos since I was 12 years old. That's something you'll find Alex and I have in common. We have been doing this since we were incredibly young, both of us out of a crazy passion for aviation, airplanes and everything related to that. So I started posting videos playing my favorite game at the time, Microsoft Flight Simulator, and my channel slowly grew over the years. I started making videos of real life aviation, then went over to flight reviews, which is mainly what I do today. And uh, that has been my full-time job for the past several years. And what a cool full-time job that is. <laughs> yes, I'm very lucky. So that means that I travel all around the world. And as you'll notice, this will, of course, be centered around aviation, but we will talk about everything you can imagine about our different travels, about different experiences, and sometimes about other interesting things we want to discuss. Because the reason we really wanted to start this podcast is that we felt that there wasn't really any aviation-related content that was, you know, fun and made us laugh and felt relatable, I felt that we really owed the world to share our conversations that Alex and I have offline with you guys, because we know there's a lot of people who are interested in the things that we talk about or these topics that maybe don't have anywhere to hear other people that they can relate to or, you know, people that they're familiar with discuss these topics in a more lighthearted, interesting way. So, that's what we want yeah, to do what with could this. Possibly, possibly <laughs> go wrong a lot. <laughs> so, Alex, and, and and that's that's the bit. It's the it's the you know we want to give you the we want to share with you our insight. We want to be able to keep you updated with what's not just what's been happening, but our take on what's happening. And it's, yes. this is us bringing you our take along with whatever is happening in our lives and across our travels. And we're happy to have you with us along for the ride. And if you're not familiar, I'm Alex, as I said, aviation analyst. I broadcast a lot of the aviation news that's happening globally on major international news networks, BBC, Al Jazeera, several other networks, LBC, looking at what's happening across the sector, but also taking those deep dives into why it's happening, what's next, and the beauty of aviation. And it's something that I eat, sleep, live, breathe, and have always done so since a kid. I was born with this obsession. And uh, I think that's something that Dan can very much identify with. I have no links in aviation. My family don't have any links in, in aviation at all. You know, people might think that it, maybe my dad was a pilot or this, that, the other. Nope. It's something that 
is raw and real and something that I continue to yeah. be obsessed and passionate about with today. It, and so... Yeah, uh, no, isn't it weird that both of us have no connections to aviation in our family, but somehow we're both completely obsessed with it anyway? Yeah, it's a thing. I don't know. It's, a, it's like they, they roll the dice on who's going to, to get that aviation <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> obsession. And a lot of people you meet, a lot of people that I meet, whether they're, you know, like, for example, execs at Airbus or they've worked for Boeing for 40 years, many of them have a similar story where you think that they will say, well, my father was this, my mother was that. Actually, they say they just remember being obsessed for as mm -hmm. long as they can remember. And that is exactly how I can I can describe it. I was I was obsessed. I was writing about it. I was reading like crazy about all things to do with the concept of air travel and everything around the whole concept of flight itself. That's and, um, so and that's interesting. the direction that I wanted to 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 follow. So it, there wasn't much time when I was a kid on the PlayStation. I would much rather have traded that in for reading about aviation. And as mad as that sounds, that, that was the reality. And that was my idea of fun. And, and I guess that's taken me then on this journey into working in the sector from quite young, carving out in this period of, of writing and broadcasting about aviation news from way back from when I was 14 was the first time Crazy. I appeared on radio discussing the sector. It was following a piece that I had written and I was discussing that and the journey kind of grew from there. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, that's, I think, that's, you know, how aviation is. I think it's really fun that we're doing this together because we've both, I think, you know, a lot of people have interest in aviation, but maybe due to the yeah. internet and the availability of information, we were able to become really knowledgeable and obsessed at a really young age. So, yeah. you know, to us, it's almost like it's so natural to us, like identify an airplane type. So although there's, you know, so many experts in this field, sometimes you'll hear someone be like, oh, that's a A320. And you'll be like, excuse me, that's an A319. Because to us, it's like recognizing our own children because we've been doing it for that's so, so long. That's exactly how I describe them. So, <laughs> until today, someone will say to me, but Alex, how do you know, for example, that that's what it is? And we're talking really basic stuff now, like, you know, identifying an aircraft type. And I was, would always say, but it's like how you can tell the difference between your kids in yeah. that same way, just by looking at them. So what <laughs> we're trying to get across is, I think is pretty deep rooted for both of us. And that's why we thought, Okay, let's come together and make half of these conversations that we have offline now public. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> and I, I'm really yeah. excited for you guys to get to know Alex, because as you heard, he's very much in the traditional media where you need to be very professional. And although my YouTube videos on my channel Nonstop Dan are scripted, so I can't show, you know, as much personality or as much spontaneity. I think that's really extreme for Alex. And Alex is really hilarious. And I, we have a, you know, a good banter. We don't agree on everything, which I think is what will also make this interesting because thank you know, God. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be so fun if we did if we agreed on everything. So yeah, you'll see some differing opinions and different preferences throughout our talks. But Alex and I have known each other since we were very young. So we thought we would, you know, let you guys know a little the story of how we got to know each other, what brought us together. It's kind of crazy to think we were 18 then and where, where were we alex that is right it was yeah. february well my birthday is in the beginning of march yeah and daniel's also march uh um, no it's not so it's me no, <laughs> it's may yeah. i knew that i get confused right it's May. no but the point being that we were 
we the we had we first met at the Lufthansa A320 Neo delivery in Hamburg at the Airbus headquarters the, there. In the first February. ever A320 Neo delivery. We should add. It was the first ever A320 Neo delivery because a little bit of context and history. If you remember the launch customer for the Airbus A320 Neo, that was the first major update to the world's best-selling aircraft, the A320. That first launch customer was set to be Qatar Airways. It's <laughs> crazy. There were a whole bunch of issues with the Pratt and Whitney engines in terms of performance and startup times. Basically, for the first time in a long time in, in recent commercial aviation history, the engine supplier was saying to the manufacturer, to Airbus, actually, these engines are not going to work as promised. They're going to need they're going to need 15 minutes, something crazy like that to, yeah. to have a startup time. They're, they're going to not they're not going to perform well in in climates of high temperatures, perhaps climates where there's sand in the air. And so and of course, you've got the launch customer Kataros listening to this thinking there's no way they're going to engage in that. The irony being this issue with Pratt and Whitney engines on the eighth continuo still exists today. I remember being at that delivery. And them saying how it's going to be a few weeks until they get the fix. And yet if we wow. go over to India today, half of the Indigo fleet is on the ground. That's a low-cost Indian carrier. Half of the fleet is on the ground, grounded because these Pratt and Whitney engines still are playing up and facing the same issues. Anyway, well, now 2020. Yeah, now Qatar Airways probably won't be getting their first A320 Neo family aircraft until 2025, right? So 10 years and later. Different engine, different engine supplier as well. Yeah. Going for the Leap engines. So it's different. So wow. Qatar Airways inform Airbus they're not going to be the launch customer. Lufthansa take on the job. They say, they say faulty engines and long startup times. <laughs> we'll do it. And, uh, <laughs> and Lufthansa become the first A320 Neo operator. And so they have the first delivery in Hamburg. I am there. Dan is there. And we meet for the first time yeah. during this cocktail lunch. The context is that my channel had just started growing a bit at that point. And I just a few months prior, I had worked with my first airline, Finnair. Nowadays, I don't work with airlines really anymore. But back then, that was what I wanted to do. That was how I saw growing my channel. So I reached out to Lufthansa. I managed to arrange a complimentary upgrade from economy to premium economy when I was flying to Dubai a few months prior to this event. So I got added to some type of press list. Then I was invited to this event. And I just remember, I think it was on my way home from school on like the bus. And I got this email. Do you want to come to the first A320 Neo delivery? I was like, what? This is insane. That I'm a 17 year old so high school great. student. That must have felt amazing. Yeah. But you can imagine the imposter syndrome of me being like, oh, me going to this? Do they Have they seen my videos and how bad they are? So... Yeah, I was so excited and so scared. And I went home and told my family, everyone was so proud. Fast forward, we're at this event. And you can imagine any press event like that. It's mostly, you know, a certain demographic that certainly isn't 17 year old boys. Right. <laughs> so at that time, I, I actually I'm hearing this. for the, I didn't realize that was actually your first time at Airbus. Yeah, it was my first That's time when, being when invited to anything like that. So I mean, wow. it's weird enough that that was not your first time. No. So but by that point, I had already been working for a, a while and I'm covering all things in the sector. 
but also covering closely what Airbus was doing. So I had done a few deliveries before. I had also covered a lot of what was happening at Airbus. But this was the first, obviously, 320neo delivery. Delivery is always fun. And I can remember we had a chat at the table during lunch and you were explaining about how you were a YouTuber, um, which still I feel was not so understood yeah. back then. Good on Lufthansa um, like, for even inviting me back then. <laughs> right? That was open-minded of them. I didn't yeah. know a YouTuber. No, I mean, I knew, I knew but I, I don't think I'd met one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then we catch up and we're talking fluent in flight, sharing stories and comparing where we had been recently or what we had flown or what we were excited for. And then we continued that conversation yeah, right through onto the delivery flight itself. You were sitting behind me. So, you know, the hierarchy was in order from the, from the get-go, from the beginning. <laughs> Actually, I can't believe they gave us like row four and five, the extra like rows at the front. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just surprised about you. But yeah. <laughs> so, no, I mean, obviously that was, um, it was, it was nice of them. Yeah, you are right. We were quite near the front. Yeah. The aircraft was half empty. This is the delivery. I can also remember that I had checked a checked bag oh. across three seats in the rear of the cabin because they could, they could have no cargo on board. No checked bags could go into the hold yeah. for whatever reason on, on this delivery flight. It, it was not, it was not ready for that. And we flew from Hamburg talking, talking, talking to Frankfurt, where this delivery flight landed in the gloomy gray skies of a drizzly um, Frankfurt, Frankfurt airport. And uh, I mean, you guys, you guys have to keep to, in touch. Yeah, you have to picture this that w there. So this is an event with mostly men in their 50s and 60s, many with gray hair suits. And then Alex and I are there. Alex was probably a good 20 centimeters shorter than me at the time with all these experienced professional people trying i mean okay alex was apparently very comfortable but to me it was just such a funny situation and we were you know trying to get our footage you and were definitely the tallest person in the room yeah so, okay. by the way just so that we can have some okay so there's an accurate description tall yeah, and lanky taller than most people yeah yeah okay. So, and then Alex is there, as he explained, with a full-on check-in bag, like one of the biggest size you can possibly check in. He's rolling that around, <laughs> pulling it up onto the inaugural delivery flight. Everyone else is like there with a briefcase. And it, it just looked so, so funny. And I uh, had come from a long haul and Airbus were fully aware and it was all cleared and fine. So it was fine until you were trying to get from Frankfurt home. <laughs> Yeah, and then, that's, yeah. I have a funny relationship with Frankfurt Airport ever since. Because, <laughs> we'll you know, tell, we'll save that story for another day. That's another day. Yeah, that's another day. But the point is, is that we met, we, we vowed to stay in touch because we had this common interest in all things, not just flight itself and air travel, but all things associated with flight. And we have been in touch and friends ever since. And so that's why we thought we will come together and continue the conversation, giving our take on everything, but inviting you to be a part of it with the first season of On Air. So guys, this episode is being pre-recorded. Our other episodes in the future will be, you know, recorded just a day before we upload so we can discuss current topics, news, all that kind of stuff. But today we have a more general topic we're really interested to discuss 
that sort of encompasses this whole year. This is the year of the return of aviation, return of profits ahead of what IATA estimated, right? They thought 2024 would be the year of a full recovery. Yeah. So now it's way beyond that. So this is the year of the profit. We are speaking about a sector that was battered by the pandemic. You know, we don't need to revisit that because everybody has lived through the horrors of of that. And yet now, not only are we done talking even about recovery, but we are talking about profit. And, and that's because airlines worldwide this year are on course for near record. I mean, already we've got airlines breaking records with their profits of, of totaling as a sector. It's, we're looking at more than 800 billion US dollars worth of, wow. of revenues this year. Industry profit is forecast uh, as a profit itself for over 10 billion. It's probably going to be an underestimation, I would say, because these were estimations and statements made by IATA. That's the International Air Transport Association. It's like the governing body for aviation. These were estimations given before many airlines were releasing their half-year results, their Q1, Q2 results, and so on. Now that we are beyond the half-year point, and we've seen what airlines are making, I mean, they are making money. <laughs> we have some of the largest airlines in the world, even some of the most struggling airlines are standing up and saying, we're done talking about recovery now. We are very, very profitable. IAG in the first half of this year, operating profit above 1.3 billion euros. Wow. That's to, from losses last year. Yeah. To translate IAG for normal people, that's the company that owns British Airways, Iberia, Aer Lingus, Vueling. So a bunch of big European airlines. They're all yeah. scoring big. Yeah. And and you've got a similar picture across with Air France. Their, yeah. their revenues are up 14% in the second quarter. The operating margins that airlines work on are typically very thin. Most airlines don't make much money per flight ticket. The figure that is bounced around in textbooks for students globally is around $17 per ticket. It's lower. The reality of that is lower. What you are paying and what the airline makes as a little bit of profit is probably as low as about $3 per ticket. And that, that's true for, for this year especially. Crazy. But nevertheless, they are making a lot of cash yeah. so and it's happening across all markets. I have something I want to discuss related to this that, so Alex is more of the like technical side. I'm more of the, you know, experience side since that's really what I do for work. So shortly I want to discuss the, what has happened to passenger experience and how that relates to this profitability. But first, just something I'm really curious about is, you know, in the US, sometimes we call airlines flying banks that they really make more of their money from credit cards and those deals selling points than they do from flying. So for me, it's kind of interesting that airfares are so high in the US, these airlines do make enormous profits. Yet in the rest of the world where credit cards obviously are not such a big driver of profit, airlines still manage to be incredibly, you know, profitable. So in some ways, I would love to know why US airlines are not even more profitable if you compare it to the rest of the world, when you consider that they're called flying banks, just because 
It's actually credit cards and points and their frequent flyer programs that are making them so, so much money. Right. And it's interesting how, how it varies, as you said, across markets, because when we think about airlines making money, for example, in Europe, the last thing we're thinking about is anything to do with credit cards or yeah. to do with miles and points, because while miles and points are, are, them, are itself, you know, miles and points itself is a currency and is of tremendous value. It doesn't work anything like it does in the US and yeah. it, across North America. So does that mean that it's perhaps more impressive that a European exactly. airline is able to be just as profitable, if not more profitable without the whole flying bank system? Probably. Yeah, it is. And I mean, Europe, well, Europe is one thing, at least, you know, the the spending power is quite high. But the fact that there's some countries where spending power is lower, where airlines and there's no credit cards, but airlines can still have insane profits. That's really interesting. Of course, their costs are a bit lower. But, you know, regarding the passenger experience thing, one thing I've noticed, we haven't really had that much time to discuss this, but I feel like across the board, people tend to agree. I've definitely noticed that the onboard experience since COVID has gone down pretty much across the board. There's been a lot of cost cutting in different areas at airlines in what they provide for their passengers. This is all around the world. And that <laughs> combined with the fact that in some places like Germany, supply is still actually much lower. I think Lufthansa is only at 80% capacity or something from what they were. Yeah, a little bit more, a little bit more yeah. compared with pre-COVID. Yeah, so they're cutting down on what they offer. They're cutting down on supply in some places to raise prices and then still reporting, well, of course, reporting rec record profits. But for me, as someone who's looking to enjoy the experience, not necessarily someone who just cares about airlines having record profits, that's not necessarily a good thing. I'm like, maybe you can invest some of that money back into the business and back into the customer experience. But I guess right now, because demand is so high, airlines aren't as concerned about competing over customer experience. What do you think? Well, I mean, it should also be said, the flip side to that is that I would argue that there are exciting developments ahead, which is direct evidence of airlines starting to reinvest their cash and splash the cash mostly on premium cabins. Hmm. There, there's a lot ahead. There is a lot. So in the last few months, we've learned and, and seen um, the, the latest renderings of Air India's new business class. You know, Air India is having a huge overhaul to become this big global carrier. And it's going to be investing heavily in what they're going to be offering for, for business class and economy with all new products. Lufthansa, you just mentioned Germany there. And, and while it's true that they are and Ryanair's CEO, the very outspoken Michael O'Leary, has attacked Lufthansa for this because they've said they are deliberately mm -hmm. not operating at the capacity they can in order to kind of keep things a bit constrained, yet they're charging more, they're making money, they're profitable. How And, and you know, who's losing out here? It's the, it's the fair-paying passenger. Well, at the same time, you know, two things can be true at the same time. Lufthansa is also investing, finally, in a next-gen business class, uh, it's Allegris. That's that's what was revealed. I think that was around March time when they when they revealed yeah, Allegris, which and was basically whole... officially revealed when we were born decades ago. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is not new. New. This is this is since the beginning of time. But finally, it has a name, and they seem to have finalized on what they're there going were to dinosaurs offering, is... and Allegris. Right. And it's, it's a bit of everything, you know, don't expect row one to be the same as row two or row two to be the same as row three, because they're, they're, they're spending 
But the truth is, is that they are spending, they have committed the money and we have yeah. dates. I mean, the Lufthansa's Allegra's business class is set to, to debut on the 787-9 in early 2024. Yeah. So supposedly we're not so far away from that. But but to be a little and, bit of a devil's yeah. advocate when it comes to that, I feel like yeah. the, the airlines are promising a lot but they're not even delivering on that. You know, Lufthansa showed this incredibly impressive new first class. Now they're sort of backtracking on that. In fact, I heard, okay, this is gossip from flight attendants, but several Lufthansa crew told me, no, it's actually just a mock-up that might be on one plane. There's So there's even debate oh whether, yeah, whether they're planning on introducing what they're showing. Allegris, that was introduced in 2017. They could have installed it on so many planes by now. It shows that yeah. they're, you know, they're very happy to display it to the world, but they don't care as much about rushing it out into their fleet. I find it interesting that Emirates, you know, they're introducing premium economy. They also said that would be quite fast. It's been about one aircraft a month this year. So I think they have about 20 or so A380s, including the ones that were delivered with premium economy now out of a fleet of 120 or so A380s. So <laughs> for me, from my perspective, always being a bit of a, you know, customer advocate, not necessarily feeling that the airlines are always living up to their promises. I feel like they love to show off their new flashy products. You know, Air India did yeah. that, of course, but where are they? I want to see them on planes. And the same goes, yeah. you know, Qatar Airways, wonderful Q-suite. They've completely stopped installing that on or reconfiguring old planes with that since a couple of years back. So there's, you know, yeah, the airlines like to use it when they benefit, when it benefits them. But there is a consistency problem across. Yeah. Definitely. And that's, you know, and that's, that's, I mean, there was a very interesting case recently with Emirates where a passenger in New Zealand took legal action yes. against the airline because he said that the business class image that of showing the business class seat that he had booked for his flight from Auckland was not the business class that he had flown once he had boarded in Auckland bound for Dubai. Now, listeners might think, okay, big deal. That happens all the time where you, you know, you're booking an airline will show you that best ever product on the, on the flight booking page on the website and you board and you're on a different aircraft that's never had that product. So what? Well, interestingly, the courts in New Zealand found in favor of the gentleman who took the legal action. They said that actually it, it was, it equated to false advertising. Yeah, they said but... that he was. Yeah. sold a product that actually was never flying to Auckland in the first place. It wasn't even a case that actually his aircraft had a swap, you know, due to operational reasons, which is what the airlines cover themselves for. They said that that product does not fly to New Zealand. Why was he shown this as the business class product when he paid his hard-earned cash and the courts found in favor of him and, and he, he had that payout, Emirates losing I, the case. This should be a wake-up call, I think. I agree. I'm I'm so happy he won. And I've I've been kind of upset about this for several years because which other industry can you advertise and show one product and right. give something completely different? It's like a hotel showing a suite, then giving you some windowless room in the basement or, you know. It wouldn't be acceptable. Yeah, you show an image of an if... iPhone 14 Pro Max and then you get an iPhone 10. Like, Surprise, it's a 12. Yeah, yeah. You, okay, well, you, you paid for an iPhone, <laughs> doesn't matter. It's, it's so... Why do airlines get a free pass when it comes to that? I think it should be very yeah. clear which seat you're getting. And if you don't get that seat, you should be compensated. And that's something actually that 
very shockingly, the U.S., I think is one of, if not the only country in the world that mandates compensation for equipment swaps. They are, suck at most compensation. <laughs> they need better laws when it comes to that. But specifically, if someone books a certain plane type, so that doesn't cover you in all situations, but if they, the airline changes it to another one, you're allowed to see compensation for that, which, which I think makes sense because who wants to, you know, book a room that looks like a suite with a private pool and then get a basement room because that's that's the airline right. it's equivalent. It's misleading. Here. It's misleading. Yeah, and that's that's what you know they should be called out on that. And to go back to the wider point about our airlines reinve you know reinvesting, are they are they using their profits to to benefit passengers? You know they have these plans. Whether or not many of these plans will see the light of day is obviously a, a, a an ongoing discussion. And for some airlines, they are guilty of of not delivering. But on the whole, there are some interesting reinvestment areas yeah. ahead. I'm thinking, you know, it, it will be late 2025 until it happens. But for example, Qantas and their A350s that are that are going to be flying those nonstop flights from Sydney to the likes of London and Paris and New York. You know, th these are cabins that have been in the making for years. And what what many people maybe maybe do not know is that when an airline decides that they're going to launch new cabins and they typically refer to them as cabin products the soft product being the service and everything that you encounter um, that you can't touch that's not tangible and the hard product being the seats the monuments the everything that is tangible when an airline's going to be parting cash for those hard products such as the seats the suites the, the sliding doors so many s's and, and so on these things take years five or six years I, I did the the first delivery for singapore airlines is brand new a380s where they had a complete overhaul you remember dan of the yeah the, the a380s with the amazing first class with the swivel chair that's next to the the bed that can become a double bed and it's a proper bed and the amazing business class which is now on so many aircraft and a, a new economy premium economy and so on that was almost six years in the making and so it just imagine how much changes over six years in terms of innovation and technology i mean we yeah. we change iphone chargers every six years <laughs> we change we change usb styles every six years we you know uh, or in a shorter time frame so you know these things take time but it is the general trend in aviation that air travel continues to innovate but it can only do that when they're making cash yeah so it is a positive thing that that airlines are firmly within profits almost everywhere on earth right now we just need to ensure that they're not being greedy with that <laughs> exactly i so now i want to ask you a a question of your opinion so i'm going to veer away from the topic again what what do you feel is more important soft product or hard product if you're going to book an airline do you care more about the seat or about the the rest of the experience it's a for me and it's quite difficult <laughs> i would say for me it's uh it's going to be the hard product the, yeah. the seat itself because i am more than comfortable to on many flights to, to not even engage with too much of the service and just pop my airpods in and watch something or work or sleep i don't stress too much about what i want to eat on the aircraft or the service and and pre-booking ahead for a starter and a main 
I am more comfortable knowing that the seat itself is somewhere that I can be genuinely comfortable. Does it go lie flat? Is there a door or not? Was I able to redeem miles and points to be able to get there in the first place? Yeah. Or was it a decent deal? Am I earning points for being on that flight? And then, you know, can I rest? If it's a daytime flight, can I work comfortably and put on some form of do not disturb sign? I very often take my own things to make it comfortable anyway in terms of snacks. So yeah, <laughs> it would be the hard product. What about yourself? Well, I this is what's fun because I honestly feel, it, of course, it's a balance. I'm sure for you too, like you wouldn't choose a terrible airline with an amazing seat over... No. Yeah. That doesn't really exist, <laughs> does it? I mean, I can't think, maybe we'll think of one, but... What, a terrible airline with an amazing seat? With an, with an amazing seat. Do we want to sh- throw, get so shady in the first episode? I mean... Okay, yep, we need to keep it real from <laughs> I, the beginning. I mean, okay, we don't want to... Listen, American listeners, Delta is great by U.S. standards. <laughs> <laughs> by U.S. standards. But... Although they have an incredible suite on their E three fifty, we are we are forty minutes we are forty minutes in, and we have Dan dishing the real talk on yeah. Delta. Yeah, okay. I mean it's just like you can have an amazing seat, but would you really choose that with everything else that goes you know together with it over you know an airline that maybe doesn't have quite as good a seat? Let's say I was trying to think of a Sky Team partner, Korean Air. Okay, right. their seats are amazing, but let's say you're even on their E three thirty which do you choose? That's not always an easy decision. So for me, I'm a bit more leaning toward the soft product that I don't mind a worse seat if I feel like the service is great. And that's often a challenge in my videos because I kind of bash airlines that many people like because the seat is great, for example. But I love, you know, for me, business class is something special. Flying a premium cabin is something that shouldn't just be an everyday thing. And I feel like on some airlines the crew and the airline treats it like a very everyday thing. So when I get on board, I love for it to feel special. And there's, you know, little unnecessary touches like loads of hot towels or giving you chocolates after a meal, small things like that, that make it feel a bit more special. And of course, the crew interaction and their training. So I would personally choose, you know, a slightly subpar seat, knowing that I would still get the same rest of the experience would be great and not necessarily choose an amazing seat yeah with terrible service but that's why it's good that people can choose it's all about personal preference (laughs) (laughs) well we're recording again so alex lost me for a second but i did we are back yeah so anyway long story short we we have different preferences there would love to hear what you guys listening think and what we want to do for future episodes is try to incorporate, you know, different stories or opinions that you guys have shared so that we can (laughs) discuss that as well. I think there's a lot of interesting things to discuss once other people start sharing their opinions with us just to spice it up a little bit. Definitely. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear what you want discussed (laughs) and, and we want you to be part of the conversation. And, and I'm always here ready for anyone who has anything that they'd like us to discuss that concerns the history of... Dan, you sound nervous. I haven't even said anything Because <laughs> I know your tone changed. The, the history of the evolution of Dan from <laughs> co-host now to, you know, those that have followed him in his early days because he has some very sketchy stories from some very <laughs> sketchy, sketchy airlines, from some very sketchy travel experiences that uh, that are 
so podcast worthy. It was worth launching on air, if only <laughs> to corner him and hear him oh, hear him go through these childhood traumas once more. Consider this an open conversation, therapy, whatever you want to call it, because uh, we're here ready to have the, the conversation with you to be firmly a part of it. Yeah, and separately to that, I am looking to hire someone who will read all the messages and go through everything and filter it before it reaches me. So if you're interested in doing that, please reach out because I feel like Alex DM is unlocking. Me. You, can, you, can, you can direct message me. He doesn't need to know anything about it. It's totally fine. <laughs> so before we, before we wrap up for, the, for this first episode, we know that there's a lot happening across the world of aviation, like there always is. And so much has happened this summer but I just wanted to comment on before we close that while a lot has happened this summer and I'm thinking about, you know, everything from the developments we've had in Saudi Arabia with Riyadh Air, what's happened across the African continent in terms of the chaos of airspace uh, following the coup in Niger and the impact it's had on global aviation, maybe more of an impact than many realize uh, on global airline operations and, and all in between. I wanted to comment on and reflect, given that we are recording this in these final days of August, Dan, on what I perceive to have been a very smooth summer for air travel. Because mm. if we reflect on the horror of last summer, of the lost luggage, of the strikes, of the tens of thousands of passengers that faced disruption, flight cancellations and delays and so on. Amsterdam alone has... last summer is worth an episode. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about yeah. it, right? But, and, and yet this summer has been, I think it's safe to say now in the final parts of August, pretty much a breeze compared mm. to it. What, what do you think? I know you've been traveling as well in, in this period. Yeah. I Do you share I, that opinion? I haven't had any problems. That's, wow, that's actually a good point. The one thing I guess where, where it's a little sketchy is the US and the safety, but that's also a topic for a future episode that, you know, s staffing shortages are still showing up, we're still seeing problems from it, but it's not affecting every single traveler as much. Just, you know, some very close calls, which are super concerning, but that's, yeah. We, will, we are going to take a look into that because this does come off of the back of some investigations that have happened in the US that show that air travel being as consolidated as, as it is over there obviously requires a, a extremely tight regulation, which thankfully air travel is incredibly regulated worldwide. However, there there has been an alarming um, rise in near-miss incidents that have been categorized as incidents because of the nature of the way in which each each incident has, has played out. Yeah. Definitely something that we're going to, to have a, a deeper look at and figure out what is going on over there and why. And, and then I guess this is the benefit of the fact that we are across it all, you know, globally, but also our backgrounds. We didn't touch on this at the beginning, but you, Dan, I mean, the accent is pretty obvious, but <laughs> you are half American, half Swedish. That's right. So howdy <laughs> on either side of the Atlantic. Yeah. And I am Greek born in London, mostly based in the Middle East. And so we like to keep across things everywhere. But if you do think there is something that we have missed something that's worth talking about something that's going on in your home market then yeah. definitely flag it to us because we're we're all the time traveling to different areas of the, of the world 
but we can't see everything. So, you know, flag it to us because there's there's so much happening in air travel because uh, that's the nature of the sector. Yeah, and please let us know, you know, if you find <laughs> this contrast and accents interesting because for me, I actually was born and grew up in the UK. I lived there until I was nine. So I, whenever I'm talking to Alex, right now it hasn't happened that much, but sometimes if I'm super relaxed, I find my accent becoming all muddled and confused. And I would hate for that to, I would hate for that to happen on here. So we'll watch out for that. This has been. I feel like if your accent becomes muddled or confused, I'm just going to, I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm not going to stop. Sure, Dan, you continue to sound different. And then we'll just welcome the comments on that. So yeah, we're going to definitely let you know, Dan, definitely. If you start to basically try and copy my accent. So for now, you guys can find us. We, We won't create social media. I think at least very much social media when this episode is released we'll see down the line so if you want to reach us our respective i guess alex you can say where you prefer to be reached i would prefer to be reached via instagram direct message my account is at the nonstop dan feel free to dm me with questions or topics that you would like to see us discuss and alex yep also instagram is fine for me at alex lhr that's a-l-e-x-l-h-r l-h-r Yes, as in Britain's Hub Airport, I secured the username. I mean, secured. It's a bit but I got the I got the I got the username when I was very young. Then I got verified really early. Just I was okay, on the show in. in the UK. Woke up the next morning, was verified really young. What did that mean? I was stuck with the username. Oh, so that must have been hard for it's you. Not ideal. Yeah, it's not ideal. I couldn't do what Dan did, which is change his username twenty five times without starting another episode. <laughs> And we shall, yeah, I'll be more than... And what about your Twitter? Or you don't want to... Oh, actually, let's not, well. let's not mention Twitter's that. Twitter's fine. Twitter is fine. Twitter now known as X. You can find <laughs> me on uh, at Alex in air. And you can also see what's happening in the aviation world there because I'm pretty active with some newsy tweet updates. Yeah. So if you're confused about which platform is which username, don't worry. I am too constantly. But that's just... That's life with Alex. So <laughs> what we live in with social media yeah, and uh, being stuck with those usernames thanks to verification. But uh, <laughs> I think we'll close up. I think we will look forward to having you along for the ride for the rest of the season. Thank you for being a part of it in advance. We'll see you next Wednesday. And until then, take care and fly safe. See you later. Bye-bye.